Comedy LOL Podcast Network. You're being recorded. <laughs> Good. In the podcast. Today's quote, the only guardians you as a magician are likely to meet would be the ones merely trying to protect you from yourself. And that's by Martin Crawford from the book, The Adept Magician. Okay, so before we kind of go into like what our thoughts are on this, um, do you want to give a little background to what this book is or what it's about? Do I? Yeah, do you know? Um, I don't know a lot. I was looking at it a little bit. Do you? I don't. But so I'm looking at it. And the reason I'm asking, right, is because, oh, my gosh, she is going to drive me crazy. Is that oh, it says the only. She's the only two cents. Yeah, she's like, I know what it's about. It's like, you fool. Anyway, um, where it's like the only guardians you as a magician are likely to meet. So why would I need a guardian if I was a magician? Oh, I, I think uh, so. I'm not really familiar with the book. I looked a little bit at the synopsis, but I think it's more like on the hermetic lines. So magician, magic, like with a K. So they mean like internal magic, maybe, or if you're um, looking externally to, to create things and change in the world. Sometimes people say there's like external forces or there's beings like that don't have a body, like spirits that can help you. And I think he's just addressing that. He's saying, instead of looking for that, you know, you should be looking for you should first at least master yourself or, you know, not have to worry about people or beings that are trying to help you. They don't have to you don't have to worry about them trying to uh, them wasting their time, like trying to stop you from hurting yourself. Does that make sense? Was that too fast? I mean, no, I mean, I guess it does. But I'm saying like if you were if you were a magician. Right. And you do have this like control ownership or um, like insight into your own life and things like that. Why would you need somebody to protect you? Uh, I think he's I think he's referring like to people who are fresh on the path because some people get into that, quote unquote, magic. For reasons, because they want to like, you know, they want to um, get up on their fellow man or maybe they want to make money or they just want to, you know, maybe they want to be able to um, use like psychology on people. So mm-hmm. they, I think they're talking about that. So instead of going out there and looking for people, you know, think about even if somebody simple, right. They, they get a Ouija board to try to contact a spirit to help them to ask them for like winning lotto numbers or something. Right. So instead of looking for that, you know, he's saying, I think now maybe as a experienced magician, now addressing people like that are adepts that are on the path or about to be on the path saying that, you know, if you're here looking for angels, the only ones that you're going to find are the ones that are going to stop you from hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. so it's one of those like protection type of things like and and you need to have that pure intention yeah and it's kind of i don't know if we were saying this last week on the podcast but um it's talking about how if people aren't aware of natural law i think it's somewhere in one of the books they say like you'll go stumbling through the through the night like breaking bones just crashing into natural law which is basically just like karma because it just keeps coming back and you're unaware of it or you're ignorant of it so it's just mm-hmm. coming and smashing you down. So it's the kind of thing, instead of you bumping into the night, maybe you can meet somebody along the way that's going to, like, guide you along that path. And okay. that person really is within yourself. That's that's what I'm trying to say. And so my interpretation, having just read it and hearing you say it, was that um, kind of a little bit different is that if you are this magician um, 
I think a lot of times and you do maybe have that pureness of intention and purpose. Um, sometimes the person that you're not looking out for is yourself. And so maybe these guardians are there to protect you because you are so fixated and focused on helping others or achieving or helping them achieve some kind of um, enlightenment or, and I feel like that's a really hefty word to use, but insight. And maybe that's why they need these guardians to be able to be like, okay, you know, you got to put your mask on right before you help others with theirs. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. And we mean air mask, everybody, not like mask, like deceiving. We mean like in the airplane when the masks fall from the sky, you got to put yours on first. That's a great analogy. Yeah, that's right. Or so the mask true. I'm wearing right now because I'm so scared I'm going to get this coronavirus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this podcast is brought to you by coronavirus. Make sure you got your limes, everybody. I don't know. It's the end of the world. Just kidding. All right. Any other thoughts here on this quote before we move on? No, I think you nailed it. That was good. I think we both uh, did what we can do. <laughs> All right. So um, what we're going to do is we're, today we're talking about the eight of pentacles and the eight of discs. So I give a description normally of the eight of pentacles. We go into our initial thoughts and then the different parts of the card before talking about how it applies to different types of readings. Then we'll look at the same card, but in a different deck. So it's a different visual interpretation. And today we're diving into the world of queens. Um and I am so excited to talk about Queens. Um, okay, so the first thing we're going to do is look at the Eight of Pentacles. <laughs> so this card, at least my version of it, has like a blue background. You see kind of like, it, it kind of reminds me of like a telephone pole on the right-hand side. And you have these pentacles stacked on, on it, like almost like they're nailed to it. And then you see this bench in the center, and there's a figure sitting on the bench. And they're wearing like red tights and a blue like tunic with like a little um, apron. And they have a hammer, like a chisel and a hammer. And it looks like they're going and um, and making these inscriptions in the pentacles, like they're making this star. And they're sitting on the bench. And in the background, you see a city. Um, so you see like it looks like a house and a tower and things like that. All right, if you want to see what the card really looks like, you can check out our Instagram at Terrible2, T-A-R-O-T-B-U-L-L, the number two. And uh, you can see what the card actually looks like, see if I did a good job describing it, um, and then see for yourself what your thoughts are. Okay, so initial thoughts here, what did you think? Um, so initially, this just looks like a craftsman, and he's mm -hmm. working hard, but he's proud of what he's doing. So he's like has his stuff on display. He's not like in his house practicing. He's out out in the world doing this and putting on display maybe for sale or, you know, maybe for just as an example to the world. Yeah. And you know, it reminded me of um, the end of this movie. I love that. And I watch it around Christmas time called the Nutcracker Prince is cartoon. Um, but it's like, it's like they're, uh, the Nutcracker ends up being like this apprentice who is like learning from this master and actually he's a magician. Um, in at least in the movie but i'm looking at this and it looks like he's doing like all the grunt work and since he does to me look like young it's like he's doing this but there's somebody watching him to make sure that each of them is done the way it's supposed to if that makes sense i'm gonna get into that a little bit more in a bit um but why i think <laughs> that okay so let's look at the what i said was a like um like a like a pole over on the side, the right hand side with the pentacles attached to it. What were your thoughts there? I'm not sure if this is like a tree or if it's just a post that's there, 
But to me, it looks it's kind of like if you think of a Christmas tree or just any tree actually bearing fruit or if you think of a Christmas tree, how it could be decorated. It kind of gives me that sense. Mm -hmm. So it's either something that's bearing fruit or it's a decoration or could be both. So I'm looking at it and it definitely me looks like a like a um, telephone pole um, or or like some kind of post like that. And it's it's because it's like so sturdy and we've talked about like these being earthly things it's not earthly in terms of it's a to me it doesn't look like a tree it looks like it's been like killed in terms of like chopped down and Mm -hmm. planted here or posted here and there's six of them that are along this and it's like he's working on the seventh one the eighth one is kind of behind him but it's like you know we've talked about how seven is considered like this perfect number and it's like again going back to what i was saying about him being like an apprentice or a helper it's like he's almost there He's almost got the seven, but not quite. And so if I was saying, like, just looking at it, I would say to me, that looks like being on your way in your journey of trying to achieve, you know, some kind of mastery or knowledge about something, but not being to the point where you are that master or you do have all of that knowledge, which the reality is like, who really is a master? I'm sorry, I'm getting very like deep into that, but, um, (laughs) but that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, no, I like that because there is a point at anybody who's mastered any kind of craft or trait or instrument or whatever it is. Um, you know, for example, I'm, I'm a wedding DJ. I DJ a lot. So I remember at a point where I was, you know, I wasn't I'm not saying like I'm, I guess I could say I'm a master at it because at the craft that what I do, I mean, I you know, just have a really good time and it goes really well and everyone has a good time. So but I mean, not that you can't stop working on it, like you said, but there was a point where I wasn't quite there yet. I was still working hard and I was still having a good time, but things weren't quite clicking. And that's kind of what this is about, because sometimes you just have to put your head down and go for it. And if you think of eight, what eight represents, it's just that infinity symbol. It's that, you know, it's never ending. So I mm-hmm. think this really symbolizes how that hard work, that work you have to do is really never ending. You have to put your head down and get there. You know, this is uh, just representing that. Right. And, you know, kind of going back to what I was saying about um, the the six there, you know, if you think about eight being an infinity symbol, it's like to me, it reminds me of being like a lifelong learner of always trying to expand and get better. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm looking at now um, the the figure itself sitting on the bench. Um, what were your thoughts on this figure? He, I like how, um, I guess we could start with, uh, <laughs> there's like so many things that's just screaming out at me. For, yep. I guess we'll just start with the apron because that's what's really screaming to me. So we have this apron, which is like the workman's apron. It kind of reminds you of like a, a mason, like a Freemason and you know how they wear the aprons. Mm-hmm. So to that, that just... Their whole philosophy is that everybody's a mason, everyone's a creator, everybody is creating their own reality because of their actions or inactions. You know, Matt, you know, no matter what you're doing, you're creating a reality. If you're sitting on a couch playing video games all day or if you're out doing, you know, chasing your dreams. So that that's kind of what that just person just embodies. So with that, um, I also like the way he's seated on this bench because we talked about this bench before. It's like the magician's table. So it still represents like maybe he doesn't quite have a total mastery of it, but he's using it and he's using it in a, a way that's very um, 
uh, he has like a solid foundation. It's very balanced. You know, he has two feet on mm-hmm. the ground and he's straddling over it. So he has a, it's kind of representing like a really good working knowledge of whatever his craft is. I think it's so funny that you said that about the way he's seated. I look at the way he's seated and I see it like being so relaxed, um, which can go one of two ways. I said that it could be that he's so confident in what he's doing that it's like he doesn't need to be slaving away at it. And for some people, it's, you know, it makes they make it look easy. I have this conversation frequently, um, actually, with my mom because she tells me how everything looks like it comes easy to me. And I said, well, that's the sign of a a real winner, because (laughs) if... If you watch the Olympics, you know, not they to be all modest look, or anything, everybody, you know, but you well, know. <laughs> I know. But it's like if you watch the Olympics, it's like they make it look easy. That's the point because you don't see all the dedication, the work that's gone into this. This kid could have been sitting here for hours and hours and hours and hours, and now he's just relaxed because he's so confident in his skill set because he's worked to achieve that. On the flip side, oh, and on top of that, it's like he's also outside. So he's not slaving away in this like factory or in this shop. It's like he gets to just relax, do his thing, you know, outside and, and kind of enjoy nature. And um, because he doesn't need to have all that focus, maybe being away from different types of um, distractions. So on the flip side of that, though, I also said that it could remind me of how people describe um, like people in my age group, like millennials, as like, they're not focused and they don't try hard. They just expect everything to come easy to them and they get frustrated if they're not all of a sudden starting out in a company as the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens in comedy. Sometimes you see people that come in that are young and it's not even just because they're young. I, I think that, um, I mean, I've seen older people do it too, but they think they're just going to come in one time and perform five minutes at, at an open mic and then they're going to be like a superstar. You know, it's like, no, it takes, or they're like, how did it go? I'm like, it doesn't matter how it went. I mean, you went up and you did it. That's what matters. You're like, do you think my jokes right. are funny? It's like, you're not, you're going to hate these jokes in a few months. Trust me. So don't worry. Just get up there and do it. Do that work. Yes. Um, and so like, just looking at him, it's like, it, you know, he has these six that are on this post and he's working on the seventh one, but it looks like he just kind of threw this eighth one away, um, on the ground, like whatever, no big deal. Um, and so, I think it depends on obviously, obviously we're going to get into this, like how it applies to different types of readings, but I think it could go one, uh, one way or the other in terms of the the meaning of it. Of the one on the ground, you mean? And no, in terms of uh, this figure and like, oh, you gotcha. know, is he focused or is he just kind of like outside, oh, like okay, whatever, right. I guess I have to do this. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. It just depends on how you're interpreting the card and whatever you're using it for. But I also like the one on the ground because it could represent the work that he's keeping to benefit himself, you know, like everything else he's like putting on display, maybe as a guide to the world. You know, we talked about that in the Bhagavad Gita about how like a a man's action, a hero's action is like a guide to the world. So maybe he's doing that, but then he's keeping some for himself because he does need to sustain himself and feed his family. So um, maybe that's what that could represent also. All right. And so now that we're getting into, I guess, the the pentacles themselves, if you look at that one on the ground, um, it still looks like it has those two points down at the ground and one kind of pointing up to the sky. All of them are in a similar um, direction along this post with the two points down of. Uh, towards the ground, one point up. The only one that isn't is, is the one he's working on. And I think that sometimes there can be like this frustration or um, like, 
you know, anger or something when you do have to work on something for so long. And it's like, I just want to be good at it. I, you know, I'm so tired of struggling. And that's kind of what I saw here. But I think that the positive is that like, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. The hard work does pay off because you see this positive direction of all the rest of the pentacles here. Even the one that does look like it's discarded on the ground. Yeah, I like that. You notice that because I also noticed that. And what I got out of that was, um, I mean, in addition to what you said, because I really like that. But the other way you can look at it is to do the work to get to where you need to go. You have to do that shadow work. So right now he's working on that pentacle from all different angles and he's there by himself and he's doing that shadow work. So he's looking at the negative. He's not just repressing it or just pretending it doesn't exist. He's facing it and he's hammering out and he's literally with his hands changing it to where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. So I think that represents that work that people need to do to get to the next level. If you are, you know, sometimes you have to look within and see what is really holding you up. It's usually yourself. What's what's important to realize is like, that's not necessarily going to be easy. The best things in life are normally not easy. You do need to work for them. Yeah. And I think that's a great, that's why they put him on this bench sitting there. He's using that other brick as a, like as a, another tool. So he has the hammer, he has the chisel, and then he has the brick under. So he's using all the available tools at his disposal. And then he's wearing the apron. So he's definitely doing hard work. I mean, they should have put gloves on him, you know, but people back then are probably a lot rougher. <laughs> but if this is more modern, you have to put like work gloves and safety glasses on him and a helmet, you know, like he's getting in there. <laughs> and did you have any thoughts on the color of his outfit? You know, I was going to ask you about that. What did you think about the blue tunic? So, I, you know, um, in my card, the, the like, apron part is, like, black-ish, um, yep. like a dark color. And, you know, I have talked before about how, for me, blue is, is linked to emotions. And I think that um, when I'm looking at this and I see he's wearing this blue tunic, but it's covered with this apron, I think that there's, again, just like I said last week, like maybe that's his motivation for doing things. And I think that a lot of times when you are working at something, be it trying to be a master or something, a craftsman or a sport or something like that, honestly, even like schoolwork, there can be a sense of frustration and anger and like getting upset. And I, I think of my little sister, when I say that about her doing schoolwork, she'd always cry. And I think that, but him having it covered by that apron, it's like, he's not letting his emotions get the best of him. He is focused and he's going to use that to kind of drive him. That was always the type of athlete I was. I would get upset and then I would use that anger or sadness to fuel me, to motivate me to, to achieve more. I was never going to like sit and wallow in, you know, even a second place. It was like, that was going to push me to achieve that first place later on. Yeah, I like that. So you transmuted it. You transmuted that negative energy, that negative experience, and you used it for something positive, which is great. Yes. And I, I would say that this, um, I love what you said about the blue. That's perfect. That's, you know, I couldn't send it any better. And then the apron, it's great because it is, it's like a barrier. It's protecting him, but it's also black. So it does represent also that shadow work that you need to do. Going through the darkness, looking within, you know, there's reasons why we have the behavior that we have the patterns of behavior we have there's reasons that we display it and instead of trying to like fight against that pattern head on like running into traffic maybe we should find out what the cause of that is and then get behind it 
And that's mm-hmm. what he's doing. Yeah. And then I also love how he has the three knots behind him that are tying this apron on because they kind of look like butterflies. So they, mm-hmm. they remind me of like the, the process of becoming, you know, going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's one thing. And then the other thing is he didn't tie those himself. So he may be out there by himself doing the work, but he also has a support system, somebody to help him, somebody he can rely on and go, you know, uh, maybe somebody suggested that vest for him. So he has other people he works with. So I think that's important to remember, too. I love that picking up on the bows in the back of the apron looking like a butterfly because I think it is very transformative when you are focused on fixated on something where you want to, you know, try to achieve some level of of greatness or mastery. And I just wanted to throw in my my uh, thought on the shoes. So like brown, I said, obviously very earthy and it almost looks like they're grounding him like he's not going to let himself like run away with his emotions in terms of like letting that dictate how he's going to act or going to give up because he's frustrated or upset or angry. It's like his feet are on the ground. So he's kind of like planting himself there. Like no matter what, I'm going to be able to get through this and I'm going to make these little coins. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to show the world. All right. What were your thoughts on the city in the background? I mean, that, that, Tower is very phallic looking, so it's just really unfortunate. It looks like he's about to get attacked by it, but um, let's not make mm-hmm. any rape jokes, right? But uh, no, I think <laughs> all know about cities. Um, so it's not a walled city. I like how you could see that there's an actual open door and a pathway to this city. So it just looks like he's out, not really far from there, so people can still see him, but he's still out there doing his own thing. And like I said, he might have the support of somebody, but he's out there on his own doing what he has to do, relying on himself, you know, not totally being the hermit. Like we said, he still has a little bit of support, but he's out there doing it. I love that there's like this little pathway that goes to the city. Um, And to me, you know, just looking at those structures, you think about like, how do you build them right at this period of time, looking just based on his dress and, and, and everything, you're going to be laying them brick by brick. And then slowly you're going to get higher and higher. And again, I'm just going back into that, like working on something till you get to the point where you're at this like pinnacle, this peak. And so because it's far away, I'm again going to say like, he's still at that point where he needs to work on it. He's not a master. He's not perfect. He doesn't have control over this. He doesn't know exactly like all the things that he he should be doing because it's so far away. But as he gets better at it, maybe like he gets closer and closer to the city and then he gets to the point where he could go and like sell these or something because it's, he is so good. Yeah, exactly. All right. Any (laughs) final thoughts on this card before we move on? Um, no, I think we did. I did it justice enough for now for today. Okay. Cool. So let's say this came up in a general reading. What would you say? If this came up in a general reading, I would tell somebody that this represents, like we said, the hard work that you have to do. So to me, I would say this is either represents the work that you are doing to keep doing it because that's what the eight is about. It's about the infinity and just keep going at it and keeping your head down and doing what you have to do. And if you're not getting the results you want, maybe you aren't working hard enough or you're not doing the correct work. You have to do the internal work because that's what he's doing out there by himself. And sometimes there's time, you know, sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to take a step back, get away for, out from away from other people's own, you know, like their opinions and stuff. And you have to work on what matters to you and what you think is true to you and follow your intuition. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. Um, I said that something very similar as like I said, working on yourself. But I think a lot of times when people get a reading done, you know, they are looking at a specific topic um, or thinking of a specific thing. And even if it's a general reading, they do have something going on in their life. And I think that it's so important to remember that, um, you know, life's a journey and to like kind of fixate on that as opposed to, I think a lot of times people are so fixated on this, like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I want to get there. I want to get there. I want to get there. And it's like, well, you need to enjoy the process so that you can enjoy at the end of the line when you are at that point where you are that master. Um, and to remember not to get frustrated when things don't go your way, because I often believe if things don't go your way, they weren't supposed to go your way. And there's a lesson to be learned there. Um, so I said that. And then I said that don't, and this is hard for me, don't fixate on trying to be perfect. Because if you fixate on that, you're just going to get disappointed. You're literally setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, you can only do your best. And that's so hard for me because I often don't even think I do my best when people are like, that was so good. I'm like, it could have been better. And it's hard for me to realize, like, it was the best I could have done at that point in time. Yeah. And you can also come off sounding like condescending to other people, you know, but you don't even realize it because you're just a perfectionist. But they're trying to be there because in their mind, they're probably like, wow, I'd never be able to do that. And they're like, wow, that was great. And you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that used to happen like, to I me could all do the better. time. When yeah. I would swim, people would be like, good job. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. And it's like, for them, that would be amazing. And I know how condescending even that sounds, right? Yeah. But but like, I was so frustrated. I couldn't just say like, thank you. In my head, I was, I was still in my head being so upset and disappointed in myself that I couldn't even accept that someone was trying to just say like, hey, good job. Had nothing yeah. to do with them. Yeah, they were just like, listen, bitch, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so, I mean, now you know that, so you realize it. And, and that's something that I have to kind of learn, too, because I, I always feel weird about taking certain compliments, you know. So now I just, when people say thank you, I'm just like, oh, you're welcome. Like, I just accept it instead of trying to be like, oh, it was nothing, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, you're welcome. I, you know, appreciate, thank you for thanking or whatever it is. So I try to, like, show the gratitude back to them and accept that mm -hmm. gratitude. All right. Let's say this came up in a love reading. What would you say? If this came up in a love reading, I would say, like, say if the person's single, I could say this represents you working on yourself first to better yourself, to then find somebody that you could create a bond with. And then we talk about all this. I mean, we talk about this all the time, how you can't rely on someone else to complete you or make you happy or make you mm -hmm. feel like a full person. Because then when they go away, what's going to happen? And then you're always dependent on them. So you're with them because of fear, independence, not because of love. Yep. Um, and if somebody was in a relationship, this, uh, you know, just this represents the hard work that you have to put into that relationship. And there's no happily ever after, you know, it's going to go on forever and ever until one of you dies or whatever, or, you know, until it's over. But while it's going on, you have to put in that work. If you want to, um, if you want to truly enjoy it. And I think that, so I'm just going to just really piggyback off what you just said. I think a lot of times there's this, this fixation on trying to have a quote unquote perfect relationship and be like, oh, I want everyone to think that we're so great. And the reality is, you know, you're working towards something that's totally unachievable because the two people in the relationship are human and humans are not perfect. And so you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You know, it does take effort and energy and work to maintain a relationship. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to be like this great couple, this perfect couple, 
for who you're not you're not setting something that's going to be on a solid foundation because you're so fixated on what other people think or putting off this image to everyone else um and you know who knows these discs right these these pentacles could be the appearance of gold but they could be hollow inside and i said if you're single this would be like i said work like you just said working on yourself um getting to the point where you're kind of like, I don't want to say like master of your own domain type of thing, but like, you know, you are a developed, well-rounded individual who is very secure in who they are. Um, and then you could go out and maybe then like sell those wares or, but it looks like that becomes more attractive to people when you do have like this mastery of something. And by that, I mean like of yourself. Um, but don't ever think that you have become this master because you should always be working on yourself. I'm sorry. I'm going around in circles here. No, it's all right. I was just thinking to myself, like, hey, Ashley, what are you doing Friday? I'm going out to sell my wares. <laughs> I'm going to the bar to try to sell my wares to unsuspecting males. <laughs> and that's how we met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the story. Like, if you have children, that's the story how I met your dad. I was out there selling my wares. <laughs> and he was buying. <laughs> all right. All right. So let's say this comes up in a work uh, or a career-focused reading, what would you say? All right, you go first on this one. Okay, so I'm going along the line with what I said about perfectionism, and I'm going to tie it into, you know, my own current job situation. Um, you know, like I said earlier about being an athlete, it was very hard for me um, to to be um, to be told I did something well when I know it could have been better. Um, and I think in a workplace, that's kind of, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Either you're not achieving that work-life balance that we've talked about because you're so fixated on wanting to be the best and wanting to be perfect and wanting people to see how good you are that you're, you know, kind of pushing away the the side of you that does need attention, your personal life. You shouldn't be doing all work all the time, right? All work, no play type of thing is not good. Um, but I also think that it's understanding that you're not, like I said about how people think about millennials, you're not going to be this master craftsman when you first start out on something. Everyone starts somewhere and you have to realize that there's a lot to learn in every topic and no one's going to start off as a master. So like I always tell people like it's really good when you're starting out, you ask a lot of questions, you know, kind of ask as much as you can, try and get as much information as you can, but don't for one second think that like you come in you that you know everything because that's a turnoff to people and that's kind of setting yourself up for for not necessarily having the best type of uh workplace environment for yourself uh what were your thoughts yeah i mean i have to agree with that um and i i don't really think i could say much more than that other than you know i always talk about if you want to if you're if you're if you get that feeling to follow your dharma and do your own thing and go out and work for yourself and create action in the world. This is just the perfect card for that because the discs, the pentacles, they represent the physical realm. So this is working with your hands. This is out there doing it. So maybe it could represent like a carpenter or whatever, but it, it can also represent just you out there physically doing what it takes to support yourself and your family and the hard work it's going to take. I said it was any kind of creator. So, you know, yeah. I create various lessons. So I would put myself in there, a teacher I'd put in there. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, any type of person who creates anything, clothes or furniture or any other type of good. Um, but also somebody then who, like I said, creates creates anything. We're both in this because we've created this podcast. 
That's right. All right. Final <laughs> thoughts here before we move on on the card. Uh, I think we're good. All right. So for the next part of the podcast, we're looking at the same card, but it's called the Eight of Death Discs, and it's in a different deck, so it's a different visual interpretation. Brandon normally gives the description of this, and we just kind of talk initial thoughts. All right, so we're talking about the Eight of Discs in the Alistair Crowley Thoth deck. And if you want to see what that looks like, once again, you can go to our Instagram at Tarot Bowl, T-A-R-O-T-B-U-L-L, the number two, on Instagram, and you'll find us there. Um and let's see this i really love this card i this is like one of my favorite cards i can imagine like so far that we've covered especially in this deck so what you see is basically there's a tree and in the background the whole sky is yellow different shades of yellow and then as it gets towards the bottom you get a little bit of orange and this tree has eight different flowers coming out of it and each flower has a leaf going over it and the flowers are it looks like they're like a maroonish magenta color um and in the middle there are like five point it looks like kind of like stars or starfish that are also yellow and red and then the ground the bottom of it is looks like it could be maybe a hill like a green hill with a little bit of dirt in there um and on the top of the tree there's a circle with a green dot or i mean that's right above the tree and then uh on the trunk of the tree, we have the symbol for, what's that for? I can't, is that Mercury? No, right? Which one? The symbol on the trunk of the tree. It's like an orange. It looks like an M. I think it's Virgo. Virgo, okay. I should know that better. But anyway, if you want to see it, like I said, go to our Instagram. What did you think? Um. Well, first I want to know, like, why is this one of your favorite cards? Um, I really love trees and anything like that, like natural. And this to me just, it just kind of, I don't know, it just has a really happy feel to it, like a really positive feel. And it looks like, um, it looks like whatever's happening, the fruit. So, you know, we saw the work that the guy was doing in the, uh, in the rider weight deck, he's hammering on the pentacle. So this one, it, it's symbolic of that because it's like you're doing that work and while you're doing that work you're shielded you're protected you're safe on this tree and uh your fruit is out there to be displayed to the world and then it says prudence at the bottom of the card which i love because if you look at the merriam webster definition of prudence it says the Mm -hmm. ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of a reason okay so even though you think of a reason as something maybe with air like with swords um you still can use it as the inner, the you know, uh, as a, like I was talking about in the Rider weight card. It looks like he's doing that inner work. It's that same kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking at this. I think what what's really throwing me with this suit, especially in this deck. De- oh my God, she is driving me crazy. She really <laughs> wants to talk about this card. She is. She like, has been doing card? that all day. It's like she clearly has something to say. Um. So I'm looking at this and every card I feel like in this suit has a different interpretation of discs. 
And so, whereas I feel like they all looked very similar in swords and in cups, this one, they all looked so different, um, which I think is very interesting. And I'm looking at the card and I loved what you said. Um, I think that this goes very nicely with the Rider weight one of kind of, you know, a work in progress. And you can see like there's this strong base of the trunk and then you've got these branches kind of growing, but it's like building on itself. And you can, I mean, I'm looking at this and what I'm seeing is like the sky's the limit. You know, because even those things at the bottom, they're not dead, even though they're not necessarily getting all of the sun. You needed to have those in order to get up higher and higher and higher. And then it's like you're learning all these new things because it has this nice light green. Um, it looks like brand new, um, like a brand new part of the tree, a brand new branch or leaf or something like that. And then it's like the more you work, the more fruits you're going to see from that. So that these flowers are coming out and maybe you didn't have flowers at the beginning, right? The trunk didn't, doesn't have those, but it's like you slowly see them coming out and blooming as you're putting more effort into something. Yeah. And it also, it really symbolizes the whole kind of cycle of life because at the bottom of the trunk is so thick but at one time it was smaller just like the top and as you move on you know it gets longer the and the fruit they get a little older but the trunk gets thicker and then you just keep getting new life and then eventually those ones will die and the other ones will keep going on Mm-hmm. um and i think that you know it's just important to focus on on continuing on in that journey right literally go up higher and higher don't just say like stop at a certain point you know you you'll stop if you cut down the tree because then there's no growth there but if you keep nurturing something and and watering it and helping it grow you will be able to just expand higher and higher and higher what did you think of the um see how the leaves have like the red veins on the bottom It looks like it almost perfectly correlates with each flower, almost like the same even color. So, like, if you think of, think of if these flowers were to be, like, fans or, like, mm-hmm. petals and spin, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's the mark they would leave or something like that. I think that, so looking at that, I'm seeing that it's almost like the like the blood, right, the, or the effort that's going in there and that's helping to create that life. And helping those things to grow. I also love how the leaves look a little like jaggedy. They kind of remind me of like holly leaves. And yeah. like it reminds me of, uh, you know, the hard work you put into something. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. Sometimes it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be rough. It's going to be jagged. It's going to be maybe a little um, uncomfortable. But they're all part of the journey. It's all necessary to achieve, you know, what what it is that you're working towards. Yeah. And another thing is, too it could show the protection that these leaves are giving. And sometimes we don't realize, sometimes we think something's in our way, but it's actually protecting us, especially with those thorny, like you were saying, the like a holly leaf will. It, so that's, it could go to represent that. Um, mm-hmm. The protection, like we were saying in the beginning, the, you know, the different people that are, or the spirits that are going to help you along the way or the angels or whatever. All right. Any final thoughts before we move on from this card? Uh, I think we're good. All right. So last week we talked about kings. Today we're talking about uh, queens. So we're continuing on looking at the different court cards in the um, Rider Waite deck and just kind of saying, what do these cards mean? Why are they included? What can you infer from them? 
So we started this court card kind of um, part of the the podcast. I think it was important to, to look at them because these are very, for me, very reflective of actual people, whereas the number cards can be you know, ideas or concepts, these would be actually people that would be in someone's life when you're doing a reading for them. At least that's how I interpret it. So um, I thought it'd be really fun to go into the different court cards. Uh, We're on Queens right now. So what is a queen? So whereas we talked last week about what kings are, you should definitely listen to that episode. I thought it was very insightful when I listened back to it. Um, Queens are going to be equally as powerful. So I think what's important to to remember is it's not going to be like the king is at the pinnacle and then the queen is lower. They're both equally as powerful and you have to think of them as complementary. So they work together, but they have very different attributes and characteristics. Um, they're just as commanding and they're just as powerful, but they're going to rule in a different way. Whereas the king is going to be very, um, you know, maybe very assertive and, um, in control in terms of like con- uh, portraying different actions. They all looked very much like they would be very action focused. The queens are going to be maybe not as, See, I hate saying the word passive because you obviously those are the two opposites, active and passive, because passive almost sounds like you don't care. But I think it's a little bit more thoughtful and um, and purposeful, whereas I feel like a lot of times people think that women can rule by emotions. I think men can kind of jump to conclusions and get to to a point at a certain uh, like very quickly before thinking things through. And, um, you know, I see a lot of memes or whatever that joke about, like how women think about everything. Um and stuff like that. So this queen is going to be very intuitive. She's going to be um, very refined and she's going to be focused on support, uh, supporting other people, supporting uh, the people that she's watching over. And um, she's going to be not as, as blatantly obvious. She's going to be a little bit more subtle. And I think a lot of times those are the people you need to watch out for. It's not the person who's in your face. It's the person who's behind the scenes that you kind of forget about. Then you're like, Oh shit. When they come out later on and you're like, they had this power all along. They were just like the puppet master. Um, and so I think that she, um, deals with more feelings and emotions and, um, is a little bit more, insightful than the king what were your thoughts on queens overall well i like to look at things esoterically as we all know so to me i like how the queens like you said you're right they are equal with the kings and i like to look at that as mental gender you know like as the internal energies that we have there's feminine and masculine within all of us so the queens just represent all four sides of the different elements of that inside us so you're right you need both you need the queens represent um like you said the intuition they receive things um they are also the thought the creative think of like uh anything that's right brain but you need that masculine component to put it forth in the world so they're very important you know in, in especially esoterically you need both of them because one without the other you're just going to be running around in circles but um, I also like how the queen is represented in like if you think of a game of chess, the queen is actually the most powerful piece on the board because she can move in any direction as many times, you know, as many um, squares as she wants. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, you could kill the queen and the game still goes on until you kill the king. But I love how they they show how like she really might be the one behind the scenes, like you said, that can get things done and make deals. Whereas a king is like the figurehead and he's like the one who's supposed to ride out to war and all that stuff. So it just represents the other side of all that stuff. And I'm not saying like a, a, a woman couldn't do any of those or a man can't do any of those other things. It's just like tendencies, like you were saying. Um, all right, so let's go through the individual queens now um, and talk about them. What I think is important, though, is also to remember that um, this could be a specific person, but it also could be a person who has similar attributes. So it doesn't need to be someone who's a female. It could just be someone who has those same characteristics or traits. If it was a queen, I'd say it'd be somebody a little bit older. I'm not necessarily saying this person is like super old, but it wouldn't be like this child. I wouldn't say it was like a six year old in your life. Um I, I mean, I doubt it would be. All right, so let's go through and talk about the different queens. Um, what did you think about the Queen of Cups? I said that she was somebody that would be um, very in tune with like matters of emotion and feelings and heart. And um, whereas the king kind of has ownership of that, it's like he doesn't let it control him. I think that she's somebody that kind of lets that control her at times, but does it in a way that's beneficial. So she uses it as motivation. Yeah, I like that because if you look at the card, she is all surrounded by water, but there's that giant wall in the background that's protecting her from the outer elements. So she definitely is in control. I mean, she still can get wet and swept up in the flood, but at least she has that protection from the outside. And then we can move on to, to pentacles. I said that it's... um she's she's going to be more of like the person in charge whereas i think a lot of times people are like oh the you know men can be the ones that make the money i think she's the one that kind of controls that and kind of can be a little bit smarter about spending money or um dealing with material things and is a little bit more um has a little bit better of uh a business savvy maybe than than her counterpart like she would not be impulsive the queen of pentacles yes <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. She's she's sitting there. She's solid on that foundation, on that throne. I do love the fact that she's she's like the only queen that doesn't have a sky around her. So she's under the protection of these roses or she's hidden. So it, it gives that little bit of feel of more of like protection, like of the earth. You know, she's not worried about anything above her. She's very grounded. She's not uh, getting mm -hmm. lost in like big ideas. And I love that. Yeah, I, I I love exactly what you said. And I love that there's this little rabbit that's down at the bottom. And it's like you see all of these other like uh, kind of like animals and things carved into into her throne. And it shows that she just has this command over um, this like material aspect of the world. To me. All right, let's go to the Queen of Swords. What were your thoughts on her? Queen of Swords looks like she's very demanding. So this is more of the like the masculine side of the feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, contained within each thing is its opposite. So this is kind of that um, dictating, telling the world what to do. You know, she's sitting there. She's very comfortable. We always talk about that in royal figures, how that means that they're just comfortable with their power. But she's commanding and she actually has her sword. So she's showing that power she's representing she's like i'm not afraid to use this so listen to my words or you're gonna get the sword mm -hmm. 
I said that there's a clarity there of her mind because her head is literally outside of the clouds, outside of the clouds and outside of um, even though she's wearing this clouded cloak, um, there's this clarity and this idea like she is going to whatever she decides to do, she's going to do it. Um, but it's going to be very thoughtful. She's not going to be easily manipulated by things around her. I actually really, really like this one um, just because I love how she's kind of sitting above all of that. Um, all right. So then lastly is Queen of Wands. What were your thoughts on her? Um, well, I love, of course, because she has a black hat and I have two black hats. So mm -hmm. that's great because it really gives her feel of being like a witch. And if you think of what a wand represents, if it's that magical staff like Gandalf has a staff or a magical wand, Technically, the feminine part, I guess, would be a witch, right? I mean, I guess you could be a, a, a male witch. But this is just kind of showing you that that's what this card involves. It involves magic. And what did we talk about earlier, what magic means? It's, um, you know, creating in the world, getting things done, and creating in a right way. Aligning your thoughts and your emotions to create action. And that's what she is doing from her... Very, very comfortable crown, and I like how you see, like, the two sphinxes on each side. Yep. So that's a, a huge symbol in royalty because you have the lions, which are a royal, and they protect because they never sleep and their eyes are always open. And another thing I learned recently is that in Egypt, some people have a theory that they think that some people put a face of a man over the lion, the over the sphinx. They put that there to symbolize that now man is at the top of the food chain. Like, there's certain people in the world that are the ones who rule over others they're at the top of the food chain not the lion anymore it's these people who rule so think of that what you will but what do you think i like i love that she has all these sunflowers around her yeah. um it's like very transformative but also like you know it's uh, sunflower follows the movement of the sun i love the black cat i love the sphinxes it gives this idea of her being able to connect maybe the spiritual realm with the physical realm and there being a little bit more uh like um magic there in terms of spirituality but also a control over it um and i you know my favorite color is yellow as we've talked about it's my power color and the fact that she's just clothed in all yellow with this like white cape on. Um, I love, I love this card so much. And then again, you have these two different backgrounds on the left. It looks like pyramids and on the right, it kind of looks like stones or rocks. And it just is like control over, you know, the rock can be ground down to sand, but it's control over both. I think, I think we've pretty much discussed as much as we can here with the Queens. So next week we'll be talking about the nine of pentacles, the nine of discs, and we're going to be ending our court series by looking at the knights, knights, nines, lots of ends. Yeah. All the ends. <laughs> and it well, will be the end so. of our court series. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so corny <laughs> yeah well that's that, that's what i tell people the cornier the better um, yeah <laughs> awesome well all right everyone do you have anything else you want to add about uh about the or add to this show i should say before we end it no i feel good me too all right everybody uh you know the deal go to comedylol.com to support us give us money our amazon link is there you can do your shopping through there find the podcast at terrible.com um i just i've been doing my own work so you can check that out at morelawsmoreproblems.com i put up an article a new podcast 
So check it all out. I talk about the end of the world. I just put up a podcast about like what the end of the world, why all the religions talk about it and what it could mean and what it could mean for us today. So get that at morelawsmoreproblems.com and at comedyol.com. It's right in the feed. Listen to it and let me know what you think. All right, guys, until next week. Stay terrible. There you go. Now she's like sitting peacefully on the ground. Comedy LOL Podcast Network.